We know that the wealth of the wicked are laid up for the just, but it's not just laid up for the just who is going to sit idly by expecting it to be simply transferred. Father will give us strategies. He will give us dreams. He will give us ideas on how to deploy those strategies and ideas and dreams so that now we can begin to help in that transfer of wealth. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. In this teaching, Jacob receives instructions to leave and return to the land of his fathers, Isaac and Abraham. Jacob heard the conversation of Laban's sons and see the countenance of Laban that is now very different than before. Jacob discerned that his welcome was worn out. Laban realized he had been outwitted not by Jacob, but by Jehovah. Elohim spoke to Jacob and told him it was time for him to return to the land of his father and kindred. Father did not tell him to return to his father's house, but to return to the land of his father, Isaac and his kindred. Jacob now reveals to his wives the wisdom given to him by God on how to multiply the flock, which becomes Jacob's wealth. Today's study title is Called Out. So, let's study. So again, we're going to be talking about called out. We're in Genesis chapter 31. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through 21. Actually, we're going to go through verse by verse here. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in the message, Jehovah and wealth, and we saw where Jacob deployed or deployed a strategy that was given to him in a dream. And in this dream, father showed him some things that, as I said two weeks ago, that it's another example where Genesis is not in chronological order because we see the manifestation of the dream before we see where he was instructed in the dream. So which should come first, the dream itself or the manifestation of the dream? Because if he's giving him instructions, we see that he carries out the instructions in the previous chapter, but we don't see the instruction he's giving until this chapter. And so in this teaching, the dream is revealed and instructions to Jacob that it was time to leave and return. Verse one, and Jacob, or he heard the words of Laban's sons. So Laban's sons are talking. And they got some interesting things to say because they have watched how things have transpired. Not only Laban's sons are watching, but Laban's daughters are watching. Laban is watching. And I would dare say that all who have access to see Laban grow, his wealth grow, his flocks grow. He become a very powerful individual. And so everybody's watching. But we also see that now as Jacob has deployed this this dream and this strategy that father has given him. There is a transfer of wealth. 
We know that the wealth of the wicked are laid up for the just, but it's not just laid up for the just who is going to sit idly by expecting it to be simply transferred. Father will give us strategies. He will give us dreams. He will give us ideas on how to deploy those strategies and ideas and dreams so that now we can begin to help in that transfer of wealth. One of the things that I've learned and we've, you know, some of us who've been in, in church, we, we know we've probably heard the sermons, how Moses learned uh, leadership while in the house of Pharaoh. Moses learned leadership while in the house of Pharaoh, wherever you work, whatever job you have, it is always important to observe, to follow the instruction, to see how things operate. Because if, well, not if, let me back up and say this, that even though you may not be aware of father's leading and guidance, if you look back over the course of your life, you will see where father has been with you, even when you may not have known or had any relationship with him or thought he was against you. He has brought us through things that we weren't even aware at the time it was him bringing us through. He was protecting us and fighting on our behalf even when we didn't know he was doing it. He was giving us ideas and he was showing us things. And it's important for us to pay attention no matter what environment you're in. You see, because father, even in those bad situations, in those bad jobs or in, in jobs and in environments where it seems as if people are working against you in everything you experience, if you've seen wrong being done, wrong is being done to you. Then what you learn is how not to do that to somebody else. But what oftentimes happen is people do to others what have been done to them. Why? Because they have not learned. And we know that Father will teach us things, even like he did, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we know that those of us who've looked at the Bible and we've seen the examples that Father will take and make a bad situation. He can take a bad situation and work it to our good. But the only way he works bad situations to our good is we're cooperating with him. If we're not cooperating with him, if we're resisting him, if we're fighting him, especially when we know what he wants from us, then more bad stuff will happen to us and our heart will get hardened. Oftentimes, like the Israelites of old, whose hearts got hard. We don't want to be hard hearted people. We're never justified in mistreating folks. We're never justified in treating people in ways where we ourselves don't want to be treated. It's amazing how we can do to other people stuff we don't want done to us. And so Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and of that which was our father's 
has he gotten all this glory? Now, this word glory here is kabod, and that word means honor, glorious, abundance, riches. And when I see that, you know, it just reminds me that we give glory to the Almighty when we honor him with all, <laughs> when we honor him with our resources, when we honor him with our lives, when we know that everything that we have comes from him, it, it isn't ours, and we are stewards over it. And so what we see here is that Father is now, because he's watching all of this. Don't you think for a moment when you're being mistreated that Father is not seeing your mistreatment. But he's also watching how you're handling it. <laughs> you see, he's watching how you're dealing with those who are mistreating you. Because he sees all, he knows all. And he can take those things that you have gone through and teach you something, and you'll find that if you allow him, he will develop compassion in you for the things that you've suffered and see other people suffering. And so this word, honor or glory, is honor. It could be abundance. And in the context that Laban or his sons are using it. He's saying that, look, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And now he's gotten our father's wealth. <laughs> That's what he's done. But Jacob didn't take anything. And we'll see here in a moment. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban. And behold, it was not toward him as before. So Jacob heard the conversations of Laban's sons and see the countenance of Laban that is now very different than before and discerned that his welcome is worn thin. Laban realized he had been outwitted, but he hadn't been outwitted by Jacob. He had been outwitted by Jehovah. However, because Laban did not know Jehovah, for he was into divination, he was blinded to the almighty one, Jacob served and followed. And this is the thing, folks. People will see your wisdom and, and your strategy. And they will ascribe that wisdom and strategy and knowledge to you. But what is our response? Our response is to recognize we ain't that smart. The wisdom, the knowledge that we have, it comes from him, even though you may think you attained it. The fact that you have it means that he has put you in positions or in places to get it. He's the one who puts up one and takes down another. And if you make the mistake of thinking you are that smart and get exalted and prideful, Guess what? He know how to take you down. Amen. And he will. People who don't know or do not know your Elohim only see you and will take their frustrations and angst out against you. Although you are following the one who leads, guides and directs the path of the righteous. So Laban's sons and Laban had issue with Jacob. But Jacob's dream didn't come from Jacob. 
Jacob's strategy didn't come from Jacob. But Jacob was the person who employed or deployed the strategy that he received in a dream. And what father showed him was how to transfer Laban's wealth without stealing, without deceiving, because Laban is going to accuse him of being deceptive, just like Esau accused him of being deceptive. When the fact is, is that Jacob wasn't being deceptive. He was following the instructions of his father, following the instructions of his mother. The signs are there, but Jacob does not move because of the signs of the times. And we should not be moved because of signs. A wicked and adulterous generation look for signs. We don't have to look for signs if we got the almighty working for us. We don't look for signs, we look for him. Because you can misread signs. Think about how often we've misread signs. We thought somebody was talking about us, they weren't. We thought somebody was looking at us, they weren't. We thought somebody meant something when they said what they said and when we honestly inquired and found out that's not what they meant, but we had made assumptions that weren't even correct. We misread signs. Look like it's going to rain today and it don't rain. The sun comes out. So we don't look for signs. We look to the one who lead, guide, and direct. Jehovah spoke to Jacob and told him it was time for him to return to the land of his father and kindred. As we go through these verses in these chapters, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, it is important for us to remember the things that have been said in the previous chapters in the previous verses. This is important to understand where we are today and to understand where Jacob was at that particular time. And so now he's about to be called out. And Jehovah said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now, Jehovah called Jacob out of the land Rachel and his father Isaac has sent him to. Now, the interesting thing is the land that his father and his mother sent him to was the very land that father had called Abraham out of. And what I found to be unique, because as I look at Abraham, Abraham made his servant put his hand under his thigh and swear that he would not allow his son or bring a wife for his son from among the Canaanites, but that he go to his kindred's house and bring us a daughter or a wife for his son. And he said, if she refused to come, that his servant was no longer bound to that vow that he made when he made him put his hand under his thigh. And then when there was a famine in the land and Isaac was going to go to Egypt, father stopped Isaac from going to Egypt. So when he called Abraham out and Abraham wouldn't bring sent back to get a wife from that land, he, he sent his servant back. He gave Abraham this land, even though they had not fully occupied the land because they occupied it little by little, as we're going to find out as we continue. 
And now Rachel and Isaac now sends Jacob, the inheritor of the land, because the land that father gave Abraham would become the land of Israel, which was Jacob, whose name got changed. So in essence, it didn't become the land of Abraham. It didn't become the land of Isaac. It became branded and known even to this day as the land of Israel. And yet, Father didn't rebuke Isaac or Rebekah for sending Jacob back into the land he had called Abraham out of. And here's one of the things, brothers and sisters, I'm saying there's so many lessons that when father gives a, a, a man and a woman a child and then instruct that child as he's going to instruct later, children, obey your parents. Because if you look at this, brothers and sisters, what you will see is that if father is saying, come out from that land, and now you're going to send the one who is going to inherit the land that I brought you out to inherit back into the land that I called you out of, it would appear that father would override that father and mother who is making decisions concerning that son. You see. The son can say, hey, wait a minute. Why are you sending me back to a land? I've heard all the stories now. Abraham was brought out of that land. And now you're going to send me back to that land? Jacob could have taken that information and rebelled against his father and his mother. There's a time when you'll find that father will allow, because of his own instructions, and what he's going to do is he's going to take this and he's going to work it for the good. It wasn't his plan for Isaac and Rebekah to send Jacob back into the land that he had called Abraham out of it. It was their plan. Father honored their plan. Even though it wasn't his plan. <laughs> Are you all following this? Jacob followed the instructions of his father and his mother and Jehovah did not oppose their instructions to send Jacob back to the country Abraham had been called out of. But when it was time, because Abraham, Isaac, nor Rebekah was in the land. See, they didn't go to the land with Jacob. But Jacob had the presence of mind when he was in on his way and he had that dream and father revealed himself to Jacob on the way. He revealed himself to Jacob on the way as he is following the instruction of his father and his mother. Even though father may have had an issue with it, he honored the father and the mother and now he intervenes and he reveals himself to the son. And then the son now recognized that he's in the presence of this God who called Abraham out and he makes a vow. If you will 
take me into that land. Watch over me, care for me, feed me, clothe me, and bring me back. (laughs) Then I will serve you. Again, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Please note again the instructions. Father did not tell him to return to his father's house, but return to the land of his father. And here's where words are so important. Because Jacob was saying, you know, return to my father's house. But father has got other plans for Jacob. It appears that father has plans for Jacob that he will later reveal to Jacob. Man, reveal is what that should be, not review. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. So when father says, Jacob, it's time to return. There he's calling Jacob out of the very land that he called Abraham out of. He said, it's time to go. But while Jacob was listening and following the instructions of his father and his mother, he allowed Jacob to go through some stuff because Jacob was deceived. See, father kept his end of the bargain because Jacob was fed, Jacob was closed, and Jacob was protected. And Jacob recognized this. Let's keep reading. The instructions Jacob gives to his wives are based on the signs Jacob saw from Laban's countenance and conversations he heard from Laban's sons and the word of Elohim given to Jacob by Elohim himself. So Jacob now is watching all of this, waiting for the voice of the Almighty to reveal to him what his next steps should be. And then Father speaks and said unto him, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before. This is uh, Jacob speaking to his wives. But the Elohim of my father has been with me. Now understand something. Jacob is 20 years in this land, working seven years for a wife he don't get until after he get a wife he didn't work for. (laughs) And then 14 years for two wives and two handmaidens when he only wanted one wife. And now he's got all these children by these women. But we're going to find out later on that even though Laban gave Jacob these wives and handmaidens, he still laid claim to them as his own. And there's a lesson even in the simplest things. You, you ever give somebody something, but you don't completely release it? You think you release it until you see how they treat it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He ever gave somebody something, you see how they either used it or misused it, and you secretly want it back. If that happens to you, you've not released it. Because once you release it, it's no, it's no longer your business how it's used. Now, I'm saying this because I'm guilty. I am so guilty. And I've had to remind myself, you gave that away. You gave that away. It's no longer yours. It's theirs to do however they choose to do with it. If they don't take care of it, then it's on them. 
<laughs> and some you got to minister to yourself after you've given somebody something and, and you see how they're handling it. But nevertheless, and you know, so Jacob is talking to his wives. He says, and you know that with all my power, I have served your father. Now here's the honor, which is why there's no deception. When you are in a place where you know you're being mistreated, but yet you serve with honor. When in the natural, you may have a right to rebel because of how you are treated, but you serve with honor. You watch your time. You make sure that you're giving an honest day's work for the wage. You're not taking long breaks and long lunches. You're not getting high and drinking while you're on company time. You're not taking things from the company that you aren't authorized to take. Long bathroom breaks. I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of ways you can steal from a company. And the main way people steal from a company is when they expect eight hours of pay for six hours of work. That's unjust weights and measures. You don't consider it stealing, but the Almighty, just as he's watching you being mistreated, he's watching you being a thief. Some people feel justified taking stuff as compensation on top of the compensation they expect. <laughs> Ooh-wee. I know that gets tough, but... I've been there too. And so Jacob served. And then he says, and your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. But Elohim suffered him not to hurt me. See, there was no conversation between Jacob and Jehovah about how much he would get paid and an honest wage for his work. He said, if you watch over me, <laughs> if you keep me, if you clothe me, if you feed me and bring me back safely. Jacob knew that Laban was a ruthless man, but Jehovah was with Jacob and honored the vow he had made when he said these words in Genesis 28, 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if Elohim will be with me, and will keep me, guard me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on clothes to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall Jehovah be my Elohim. So you see what he's saying? He's asking for protection. He's asking to be fed and to clothe, to be guarded, and then to be brought back safely, watched over safely until he returned to his father's house. But Jehovah, when he appears to Jacob, he says, return to your father's land, not to your father's house. And you'll see as we go forward that when Jacob comes back, he doesn't necessarily go to his father's house, but that's later. If he said thus, now he's still talking to his wife. He's saying, here's how your father has, has cheated me. He's deceived me. If he said, the speckle shall be your wages, 
Then all the cattle bear speckled. So he changed. Laban is looking at his flock and he's saying, look, there's no speckled ones. So I'm going to pay you with the speckled ones that are born. Now, Laban don't know that father has given Jacob a strategy and a dream or how to get speckled lamb from among non-speckled lamb. So now he says, you could have the speckled ones. And, and Jacob says, okay. And all of a sudden, all the lambs that were being born were speckled. So what did Laban do? Say, holy, this ain't going to work. <laughs> then he says, if they be ring straight, then they shall be yours. And then Jacob deployed another strategy given to him. Now all of a sudden, instead of speckled, they're ring straight. And Jacob, Laban is saying, hey, wait, hold on. So he changes them again. And so here's the wealth of the wicked, you know, is, is laid up for the just. But again, Father will give you the strategy. It's not about trying to lay hands on other people's stuff. Like he's going to just take it and give it to you. Or he's going to, you know, put you in the dream. Now he could. He could put you in the dream of somebody who don't know you. And then you become their heir. It's rare, but it's possible. Typically, what Father does is he gives us a strategy on how to work. He gives us an idea. He gives us an invention. He may even give us a modification of something that already exists on how to make it better, how to improve it. But he gives us stuff. Now, what do we do with it? Thus, Elohim has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. Who took them away? Jacob didn't take nothing. Elohim did. How did he do that? He gave him a strategy. He gave him a dream. The dream that brought the increase in glory. Now, Jacob reveals to his wives the wisdom given to him by Elohim on how to multiply the flock. Verse 10. And it came to pass that at the time that the cattle conceived, I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream. So here's how, well, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were rings straight, speckled and grizzled or grizzled. And the angel of God spoke unto me in a dream saying, Jacob. And I said, here am I. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see. Where's Jacob at? He's dreaming. Jacob has no idea about what's going on, but he's dreaming. And in the dream, father speaks to him. And he says, see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled and grizzled. For I've seen, for I've seen, for I've seen all that Laban do it to you. See, when you're honorable and you're being mistreated, don't think for a moment father is not seeing it. But if you take matters into your own hands, what you've done is you've decided to be your own guard. You've decided to be the one who fight your battles. You see, you decide to take matters into your own hand and handle it. And father said, okay, you got it. I, you can have it. But if you step back, I think I can do this a little bit better than you. And this is where the emotions and the feelings and all that other stuff gets involved. 
You don't want to be punked. You don't want to be dissed. You don't want to be treated with such disrespect. You don't have to take this. I'm not going to put up with that and all that kind of stuff. When in those particular situations, you can't control how somebody treat you. But you can control how you respond. And oftentimes our response is out of how we're being treated. But what does the scripture say? Do unto others as you will have them do unto you. But what about in the midst of them doing what they're doing? (laughs) Do unto them as you will have them do unto you. Don't do unto them what they're doing. Do what you would have them to do. If you were in that situation doing what they're doing to you, what would you do different than how they're treating you? Because this is your opportunity to respond to the treatment that you're being treated with. And ain't no point in saying, the Lord fight my battle because you're deceiving yourself. If you're responding in a way out of your emotions based on how you're being treated, instead of saying, you know what? I'm not going to respond like that. That's not how I would want somebody to treat me in the midst of them treating me this way. I would treat them the way I want to be treated, even though they may not deserve the treatment that I would bestow upon them based on the treatment that they're bestowing upon me. When you don't do that, you've allowed somebody else to determine your response. Your response is not out of wisdom Your response is not out of prayer. Your response is not out of being led by the spirit. Your response is not out of inquiring of the almighty for him to instruct you. Your response is emotional. It's an emotional response based on how you're being treated and you're responding to how you're being treated, not how you would like to be treated. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, it's a difficult thing to do, but this is not a cakewalk. Following Messiah is not for wimps. Following Messiah is not for the proud and the arrogant and the narcissistic. To follow Messiah, you got to humble yourself and humility sometimes look like a doormat. They seem to be walking all over you, but... Father see it. He see it. So he says to Jacob, I've seen what, now, now it's like, wait a minute, father. You've watched this go on for almost 20 years. (laughs) Right? From the first seven years, and father knew when Jacob made that deal with Laban about that, that first seven years, he knew what he was dealing with, and yet he didn't warn Jacob. said, Jacob, listen, let me tell you something, son. You got to understand the culture. He didn't intervene. Let me tell you something else. Father looked at Jacob. Now, understand something. Jacob's got a brother named Esau. Esau got two wives before Jacob even leave his father's house and Jacob has no wife. And yet father see 12 tribes and a man that don't even have a wife yet. Why? Because he see the end from the beginning. He know the plan, even though you may know, not know the plan. And in order to get on his plan, you got to move forward, not knowing but trusting. 
And that's what this walk is about, trusting. Well, how do I know to trust? Well, walk in his truth. Walk in what he's revealed. Walk in what he has said. Humble yourself. Resist the devil. Put this flesh to death. Behave like a person who is worthy of the calling that you have been called. And so he says, listen, and again, you know, I, I marvel and, and I chuckle at the fact that, okay, so it's like, well, how long you been watching? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How long, why you let me go through all this? Well, you know, I'm perfecting you. I'm getting you ready because what I'm calling you to is so great that in order to accomplish it, you got to go through some stuff. You got to be mistreated. You got to be taken advantage of. You got to be cheated. Now, already with the two wives and the concubines' wives that Jacob wasn't looking for, Father has already added to him. And get this, sometimes Father's blessings could be something you aren't wanting. Jacob didn't want that. He wanted one wife, right? Father said, I know what you want, but I got some plans for you, bro, you don't know about yet. <laughs> right? So that's why I'm watching because while I'm watching, I'm adding to you. And now that you're getting to the point to where you're about to graduate, let me show you how to transfer the wealth you've been working for all these years. <laughs> because all of labor's wealth, according to his own sons, he said, look, look at my daddy's wealth is being transferred to this guy. How? A dream. The angel of Elohim was Elohim. He says, and the angel of God spoke. And in this verse, the angel of God says, I am God. I am the God who's speaking to you of Bethel. Where was Bethel? Bethel was the place Jacob named when he had that dream. He says, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillow. And where you vowed a vow unto me. This is why it's best not to vow a vow if you don't plan on, it, on keeping the vow because the vow Jacob made, Father now is coming to lay claim to. See, you can forget it. You can discard it. You can act like you don't remember, but he remembers. So you don't make a vow you don't plan on keeping. And in our culture, vows don't mean a whole lot of nothing. That doesn't mean that a vow is nothing. I'm just saying in our culture. Because people just hazardly say stuff and they operate out their feelings. Let me tell you something. The vows have nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with your emotions. It has everything to do with you saying you're going to do something. And especially when you invoke his name, when you bring him in it, 
Everybody else in you may not see the importance of it, but he's saying, listen, now, don't say it unless you mean it. Don't say it unless you mean it, because I'm coming to collect. So now Father's saying, listen, I am the one you made that vow to when you anointed that pillow and called that place Bethel, <laughs> the house of God. Now, arise, get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. And so here I, I call it the land of two kindreds. Because father gave Abraham a land after he told him to leave his father's house, country, and kindred. So Abraham had to leave a land in order to inherit a land. And there are times when father can't give you what he has for you because you won't let go of what you got. You're trying to hold on to something and he's trying to disconnect you from it. And oftentimes in the process of trying to hold on to something, when he's trying to disconnect you from it, you get married to it. Ouch. And all of a sudden you get a revelation. So father gave Abraham a land after he told him to leave his father's house, country and kindred. And now in chapter 12, one, where he says, he says, now Jehovah had said unto Abraham, Abram, get thee out of thy kindred, out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And the interesting thing is that the land that he showed Abraham was occupied by other people. It wasn't just vast land that had no occupant or no dwellers or no perceived owners. Jacob was in the land of his kindred whom father had brought Abraham out of. Laban were his extended kindred, not his immediate kindred. Laban was an idol worshiper and father called Abraham out from among them. Jacob told his wives what they already knew from observation. They knew that their father was a deceiver, a schemer, a con man and greedy who used them for his own benefit and did not care for them as a father should have. So they had no problem feeling justified by their father's action or by their husband's action toward their father and brother. Look at what Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? In other words, he's consumed everything. Are we not counted of him strangers? That's how they were being treated. And yet he still laid claim to them, as we're going to see. For he has sold us. What do you mean he sold us? See, here's what he did. He sold his daughters for seven years of labor. That's what he did. Seven years of labor. He sold them. For he has sold us and has quite devoured also our money. We worked to help him become powerful. He didn't do the work. We milked the cows. We took the sheep out. We kept the house. We, we tilled the soils. We planted and we harvested and we worked. And so that was part of their inheritance. And he's saying he's devoured our inheritance. For all the riches which Elohim has taken from our father. And notice they say, God took it. Jacob didn't. Elohim did. That is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever that God 
has said unto you, do. They trusted Jacob and his God, although they still held on to the idol gods of their father. See, and this is the thing. This is one of the, the reasons why, you know, I really try to encourage people. You know, if you got somebody who has a different faith than you and you marry them, you're bringing that faith along with you because it's going to be a clashing of faith at some point. So now that Jacob and his wives are in agreement and on the same page about their father, they set out to leave on one accord without telling Laban. Think about that. Two daughters, their handmaidens, with all of Laban's grandchildren. Now there's 11 grandchildren at this moment. And they don't even tell their daddy they're leaving. They all agree to steal away or to leave in secret. What kind of daughter would do that to their father? Take the grandchildren with the chance that he will never see those grandchildren again. Laban's treatment toward them had made them cold. They saw how he, he dealt with them. They saw how he dealt with the people he dealt with. They saw how he dealt with Jacob, how he tricked. They're watching all this too. Everybody is seeing what's going on. And most important, father is watching all of this trickery. And it's not Jacob doing the trickery. It bothers me. I read these commentaries and they say, well, you know, Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob didn't deceive anybody. Jacob was honorable from the beginning. Remember, he didn't want to do what his mama told him to do. He says, no, my father ain't dumb. My father, he know I'm not Esau. And he's going to recognize me and then he's going to curse me. And she said, no, if he do that, let that curse be on me. In other words, you are harmless from anything. So who was actually the deceiver in this situation? But Jacob is labeled the deceiver. By whom? Esau, the one who sold his birthright. Why are we listening to Esau? Jacob was honorable. And even in this, Jacob is honorable. And father is watching and he's given Jacob strategies. He's watching over Jacob. There are times, brothers and sisters, to where your deeds and actions are misconstrued or misconceived or people don't see what's actually going on because they're blind and they see what they think they're seeing based on even some of the words that are coming at them from other people. See, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This is why it's so important for guarding your heart. You'll find that many of the people you don't like, you didn't like them when you met them. You didn't like them when you met them, possibly because somebody had already prejudiced you against them. It is so easy for people to prejudice their friends against somebody to where when they meet them, they don't even give them a fair shake because they already have a preconceived idea about who that person is based on what they have heard. And this is why some people have treated you certain ways because they had preconceived ideas. And if, if they ain't heard something, they probably have been hurt by somebody who looked like you, somebody who walked like you, somebody who is tall like you, somebody who is, you know, just there's a whole lot of reasons why people have issues with people 
that has absolutely nothing to do with you. <laughs> and here you are, you're walking into something, you know, it's like, okay, this is a fresh new environment. And you start getting opposition and resistance and you wonder, what have you done? You ain't done nothing. That's preconceived prejudice. I was going to the post office and, and I'm a, I don't know how people see me, but I'm a kind person. I'm a gentle person. I smile a lot. <laughs> and I'm going to the post office and this elderly Caucasian lady comes, she looks up and she see this tall black man and she holds her head down and she walks all the way around the circle to keep from having to pass me. And I just felt compassion for her. I saw a woman, for whatever reason, was projecting her issue upon me. And I don't even know that lady. And that lady don't even know me. And I felt, I felt compassion. I felt sad for her because I see this kind of stuff. Prejudice. For whatever reason. I don't know what it is. And father is watching all of that and he's watching how you handle it because sometimes you can respond the wrong way to what is being projected on you. And I say, stop being the screen of other people's projector. Rachel steals the idols of her father. If idols were gods, how could she steal them? You can't steal gods. <laughs> you can steal idols. Idols are nothing. But it does not stop, should be stopped, people from being devoted to idolatry. Genesis 31, 19. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, and that he told him not that he fled. And he's going to catch up with them eventually, but he fled with all that he had and rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And I'm gonna conclude here and we'll pick this up, Father willing, next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints. <laughs>